Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Uh, lots and lots to discuss this week. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm very excited also uh, to welcome a brand new panelist. Um, so sorry, Vittorio, but I'm going to skip over to Carlo first uh, for his introduction. Carlo, welcome to Simply Serie A, mate. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, Harry. And I, I love the intro music. It feels like I'm um, going to an Italian wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit stereotypical, but our, most of our listeners are based in the UK, so I thought they'd get it, you know. <laughs> uh, Carlo, thank you so much for joining us, mate. And um, do you want to tell our listeners briefly a little bit about what you do and, and how they can find you on social media? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I've been in the, um, in the media game for, for about 13 years now. Um, and I mean, I've, I've done, uh, covered everything there really is to cover in, in the media. I've been an editor, I've been a writer, been a broadcaster. Um, you know, I've gone to, to major tournaments. Um, so, you know, I've done a bit of everything. I, I think my main love, uh, my main 
Italian football. That's probably what I'm best known for. Um, so, so really, yeah, that that is my that is my area, and that's where I, I fell in love really with football from 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 a from being a young kid. Really, um, my you know I have Italian parents. I was born in England and grew up in England, but my both my my parents are are Italian. Um, so, so you know, I grew up in quite an Italian household, and that's where my my love of Italian football came from. Brilliant stuff, and we're pleased to have you on board, Carlo uh, Vittorio. Welcome back, mate. My right-hand man. How are you doing, sir? I'm not bad, thanks. I've noticed in the last few weeks you've had a bigger smile on your face. Is that because Lazio are flying? <laughs> well, it's surprising to see Lazio playing uh, so well and be so high in the in the table, especially in February. We saw it in December, you know, being second in the table, but never so far So in February. So it's good. Good stuff. Glad If you're happy, Vittorio, I'm happy. <laughs> right, let's quickly take you through this weekend's results and then we'll move on to some of the games in a little bit more detail. It was Brescia 1, Udinese 1, Fiorentina 1, Atalanta 2, Genoa 1, Cagliari 0, Inter 4, Milan 2, uh, Napoli 2, Lecce 3, Parma 0, Lazio 1, Roma 2, Bologna 3, Spau 1, Sassuolo 2, Torino 1, Sampdoria 3, Verona 2, Juventus 1. I think we're going to start off with the game between Verona and Juventus because, you know, the the Milan derby was huge as well, but the Verona-Juventus game made the Milan derby even bigger, in my opinion. Um, It was a game that I was really, really looking forward to and the result from uh, Verona, of course, added to that excitement, added to the... the, uh, sort of value of that, that game. Uh, Carlo, I understand you're a Juventino. <laughs> well, um, I mean, yeah, if I have to pick a, a team that I, I kind of grew up with, it, it was it was Juventus. Uh, Roberto Baggio was my was my idol um, as a kid. Um, so, so yeah, you, you can say that if you want. So, over <laughs> to you then. What went wrong for Maurizio Sarri's men? Um... It's really the same things that have been going wrong really all season. Um, I've, I mean, I've actually I've written a feature that's that's coming out to get a little plug in that's, that's coming out tomorrow morning, um, talking about Juventus's problems this season. Um, and I think that the Juventus's performance against Verona is the kind of performance they've been putting in all season, really. Um, and the difference is is that. The first half of the season, those poor performances weren't getting translated into poor results. Um, now, as we've seen in the last few weeks, um, they are starting to get translated into poor results, and that's basically what happened in the in the game against against Verona. Pointed with their passing, um, their the tempo was was slow. Um, there was there wasn't much creativity. Uh, it was really down to kind of like individual moments. Of, of brilliance from from in this case Cristiano Ronaldo who scored the opener um, and that's really what's been happening with the Juventus all season really it's been they played badly and they've kind of been bailed out by a moment of brilliance from Ronaldo or from from Paolo Dybala so um, yeah it's the, it's the same really and you, you can't Juventus couldn't really have any complaints with with losing that game against Verona. Vittorio your take on the game before I, I share my thoughts. Well, one thing is Verona is a very good team. Verona is a team that creates a lot of trouble. They are very fast. They press you very high. So if you're not very fast moving the ball, then you struggle. Wednesday, Lazio played against Verona at home. 
and draw. Uh, and everybody was saying, you know, oh, well, Lazio is struggling. They're not playing any more great football. And then three days later, Verona beats Juventus. And I agree with what Carlo was saying, you know. Uh, Juventus is struggling to play Sarri ball. Uh, and it's not easy, you know. You're switching from a Legri type of football to a Sarri type of football. It's completely different and it takes times. And one of the questions is, does Juventus have the right players to play the Sarri way, the Sarri football? I, I'm not sure about that. So, you know, I think Juventus has the best team overall, but they're struggling to play uh, how Sarri wants. And the other question I have is, are we sure Sarri is a winner? Because for sure, Sarri's team play great football, but how many leagues did Sarri win? He went close with Napoli. He didn't win with Chelsea. You know, I, I, I always thought hiring Sarri was a risk because he's not a winner. So maybe that's the, 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 the reason why Juventus is struggling. If I'm not mistaken, the Europa League that he won with Chelsea was his first major trophy. So that kind of says a lot. But then again, in Sarri's defence, other than Napoli, he hasn't necessarily had the type of jobs in which he kind of had that sort of room to go on and win things. Am I am I correct in saying that, guys? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. I mean, Sarri has been criticised. Um, you know, he's not a winner. He's, you know, his, his whole career... Uh, in management, you know, he's never won anything. But until he until he took the Chelsea job, you could, he, there was never really an expectancy for him to win. I mean, if he'd have won with Napoli, you know, that would have been uh, miraculous when you look at, you know, um, financially, you know, Na- Naples, Napoli's finances up against, you know, Juventus's finances. I mean, he shouldn't even have been competing with Juventus. So he, he did an amazing job at Napoli. Um but um, but yeah, it's like like Vito said, it's it's, it's difficult for him um, at Juve. Uh, Vito asked the question: Do Juve have the players to, to play Sarri? But I don't think they have the players. Um, certainly not in midfield. Um, I think Juventus Juventus's midfield is very weak for a team at the elite level, um, and it's been Juventus's weakness for for a good four years now. Ever since the the great um, midfield of Pirlo. Um, Vidal and Pogba kind of 2015 and 2016 all those three players left Juventus and they've never been replaced um, and Juventus don't really have the Sarri's quick one and two touch football um, so so yeah I have my doubts whether, whether he has the personnel so I don't actually blame him for Juventus's struggles um, as much as a lot of people are I blame more the club for not giving him, for not constructing the squad that's suitable for for Sarri's type of football. Yeah, absolutely. And that is important, of course. You know, you've got to give him the right tools to do the job. It's not as though Juventus's hierarchy wouldn't have been fully aware of the type of football that Maurizio Sarri plays um, when they hired him. Uh, So, you know, it was, of course, down to them to assemble the right squad. But equally, it is his first season. And, you know, you can't overhaul an entire squad in one summer. So in that sense, I have a little bit of sympathy for him, but I still believe that Juventus have enough in terms of quality to win the Scudetto. And that's, you know, we've seen Inter stutter recently as well. And I know obviously they got a great result at the weekend and the the pendulum has somewhat swung, but we'll come on to that uh, in just a moment. Um, I want to talk about the VAR that was operated in that game. And the reason I want to talk about this is because the majority of our listeners are, of course, Premier League fans as well. And, you know, we've seen VAR 
uh, be applied in the Premier League this season quite poorly. We've seen lots of controversial moments, um, lots of messing around, lots of standing around wondering who's accountable for what. But there was a very um, good use of the VAR, I thought, in that game uh, at Verona when, of course, uh, they were awarded the penalty. I didn't notice that it come off a hand at the time. Um, you know, it was a great piece of officiating. They went over, they had a look, and they got the right decision. So I, I just want to give Serie A a pat on the back for that because I do think that they're using it in a far more effective way uh, than some of the other leagues around Europe at the moment. It's still not perfect, but it's getting there. It's getting better. And, you know, it's a league that I think gets a lot of bad publicity. So I think it's only right that when they do something well, uh, you know, we should we should give them a pat on the back. Now, let's move on uh, to the Milan derby. And it was a huge derby. And as I've said already, the, the, the sort of importance just went up a notch, didn't it? When uh, Juventus slipped up on Saturday night, um, it was always going to be uh, a close encounter, we thought. And it was really a game of two halves. Vittorio, what, what did you make of it? Yes, and uh, you're talking about the Juventus match, but let's not forget that after Lazio beating Parma, Lazio was second, one point ahead of Inter. So Inter had to win just to keep the second place. So uh, obviously it was an important match for Inter. Um, it was a weird match because Milan dominated the first half, went ahead 2-0 and uh, it was surprising because we never saw Inter playing that bad. Uh, obviously, when you take off Andanovic, that is probably the best goalkeeper in Serie A, and you put Padelli, that I thought he retired one year ago, uh, <laughs> this doesn't help. Uh, uh, so, you know, Milan played better. The two goals were two bad mistakes, I would say, from uh, Padelli. In fact, they are signing Viviano, or at least they're trying to sign Viviano if Andanovic won't be able to play Sunday. Um, and in the second half, Inter played better, but uh, I don't know if Carlo agree with me, the two first goals of Inter were two terrible mistakes of Milan defence. Without those two mistakes at the beginning of the second half, maybe Milan would have won it. So, yes, uh, it was an incre incredible reaction from Inter, but what would have happened if Milan didn't make those stupid mistakes at the beginning of the second half? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. Um, I mean, there was definitely Milan could have defended those, those two goals better, but I mean, I guess you could also say the same thing about... Um, Milan's goals, especially Padelli, who you said retired one year ago. I mean, yeah, I mean he's he's a disaster. I mean, I said before the game that that he was going to be the the biggest the biggest uh, absentee was going to be Sami Handanovic more so than Lautaro Martinez or um, or Bastoni in the in defence, um, and that proved to be the case. So I think that if you know looking ahead to this Sunday, that's where Lazio really should target is, is Padelli because he's definitely a weak spot. Um, but yeah, to, coming back to the to the Milan derby, it was it was an incredible game and it was a great advert for for, for Italian football. Um, as like you said, Harry, he gets a lot of publicity for the bad things, but this was an absolutely incredible game, incredible atmosphere. Um, San Siro was full. I mean, Ashley Young was was raving after the game about about he'd never seen an atmosphere like it. He said it was like it was on fire at the stadium. He did, you know, play, for the... he did play for Man United, to be fair. There is no... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing, it was an amazing comeback from him. It was a comeback of champions, really. Um, so, so, yes, Milan could have defended better, but I think we have to give credit also to, to Inter. And it was a typical Antonio Conte style comeback really just you know never say die and um never knew that, that when they were beaten 
I mean, the Brozovic goal in particular as well. I, I thought that was special. And the Vrij's header as well. I mean, fantastically directed. There's question marks, of course, about the defending. No doubt about that. But they were uh, excellent goals, in my opinion. Uh, Vittorio, in terms of, you know, going into this game, or, or, and I don't mean to undersell Lazio, because we're going to come on to talk about Lazio next. Don't worry. Um, but in terms of this game, many people felt that heading into this, if Inter didn't win, it was almost a, a kind of a, they would be resigned to accepting the fact that Juventus will probably win the title again. And I know Juventus aren't exactly indestructible like they have been in recent years. But for me, this was so big in terms of the, the title race staying alive. How much of a, a mental impact is this going to have on Inter and Juve, who will, will be disappointed with what they saw at the San Siro as well as in Verona? Well, obviously, the impact for Inter is huge because uh, winning like this in a derby is massive. You know, we saw on Instagram um, Lukaku uh, publishing a picture saying the new king of Milan, you know. Uh, so they needed that win. I, I don't agree that not winning this match would have mean the end of the fight because Juventus is struggling. Um, I think even if Inter hasn't got the best team, I still think that Juventus has the best player, but they're struggling to play great football. So I think at the moment, Inter feels that they have the big chance to win it this year. And uh, with Antonio Conte, as Carlos said, you know, you can never give uh, Inter for, for granted. They're, they're a big team. They're going to fight. They don't play an amazing football, to be honest, but you know that they will never die. And so... Uh, I think at the moment, probably Inter is the favourite for the Scudetto because Juventus is struggling and Inter is fighting. Let's not forget that Eriksson is not playing. Now, the question mark is where do you place Eriksson in this Inter? But still, they have a lot of players on the bench that can, can come in and uh, contribute. So, uh, really, Inter at the moment is, is the favourite for the Scudetto. And obviously, this is a huge boost. Maybe this weekend is going to be the... Most important match for Inter, maybe I'm I'm not sure about that, but obviously if they win even Sunday, then you know it's going to be a huge boost. Absolutely, and I, and I, I totally accept your point that it wouldn't have been you know over, but for me it just feels like when Juventus slip up, when they lose to the likes of Verona, given how dominant Juventus have been in the last few years, you have to take advantage of those moments. And so if Inter failed to take advantage of that moment then I would have started to think, here we go again, it's happening again. <laughs> Carlo, do you agree with Vittorio that uh, Inter are now the favourites to win the Scudetto? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because when a team's won the Scudetto eight years in a row, it's almost like you forget that anyone else can, can possibly win it. But I've just, I've thought all season, and I've said it since day one, that I think Juventus are very vulnerable um, and I think they're there for the taking. I really think they're there for the taking and it's really down to whether Inter... Or Lazio, you know, you can't rule Lazio out, but I, I do think, still think that Inter are the most likely team to to take the, t the title off Juventus. Um, I think it's down to them. I think, you know, the next three games, Inter have got um, Lazio away this Sunday. Then they've got, I think it's Sampdoria at home. And then after that, the next match is away at Juventus Stadium. Um, I think that if after these three games, Inter are still top of the table, um, I think they'll win the. I think they'll win the title. Um, I think that um, Juventus obviously had the Champions League as well. 
Um, they're playing badly. They're totally reliant on Ronaldo and, and Dybala. Um, I think that the, the idea that Juventus have more depth is a little bit of a myth. Um, I think that Juventus, as I mentioned before, their squad was constructed badly. And if you're playing, it's a 4-3-1-2 and a 4-3-3. They're the two systems that Sarri's been alternating between. Um, if you look at the 4-3-1-2, Juventus basically have three forwards, Ronaldo, Dybala and Higuain, um, rotating over two two forward positions. Sometimes Sarri actually plays all three of them because Juventus don't have a natural... Uh, Trek Quartista, a natural player in the the, the the hole between behind the front two, um, so they're very. And if they do go four three three, as Sari said himself, they can only play that four three three when Douglas Costa is available. Um, he's injured now, as uh, you know. Once again, he's always injured. Um, so, so really, the Juventus don't actually have that many options. Not not in attack, and they're totally reliant on. Ronaldo and Dybala. If one of them two gets injured, I think they're in huge trouble. Um, Inter are only in the Europa League. They'll probably play their reserves in that competition. You know, I think everything is going Inter's way. It's, it's up to Inter to, to really to hold their nerve. And I don't. Th- I think there isn't a better manager than Antonio Conte to motivate and drive a team over the line. So, so I really, I really, really think that. Yeah, if you ha- if I had to, you know, gun to the head, I would probably go with Inter right now. Wow. Yeah, let's not forget that Inter is playing Coppa Italia uh, this week. Then there is Lazio away. Then there is the Europe League. So this next three weeks will be very important because obviously if uh, Inter beats Lazio while playing uh, uh, Europe League the next Thursday and Wednesday the Coppa Italia, this means that yeah they they they, they can make it. And I agree totally with Carlo. I wouldn't be surprised if Inter get eliminated immediately from the Europe League because we know that. Antonio Conte doesn't care. So he's only focused on, on the Scudetto title, obviously. So uh, even though he doesn't like to play the, the subs, it, it, it's going to happen. I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the Europe League, he's going to play all the, all the bench. So we're going to see what happens. The next three weeks are probably fundamental. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, talking about the Europa League, they, of course, play Ludogorets. And, you know, you, you get the feeling that if... Uh, he does play a sort of understrength side in the the first leg, which they're away from home in. He will probably feel that they still have enough to turn it around that San Siro if they need to, um, if they need to throw the big guns in. So I guess it kind of buys him an extra week, doesn't it, to decide on his on how he's going to approach that. Um, it's unlikely that, or it will probably happen now that I'm going to say it, but it's unlikely that they'll go to Ludogorets and get get absolutely hammered. Uh, Carlo, you mentioned Douglas Costa injured again. That guy could get injured eating his cornflakes. You know, he's, he's just he's such a frustrating player, isn't he? Yeah. Because he's so talented. Yeah, his uh, I can't remember one of the Italian papers. It might be in the Gazetta did a did a report yesterday or Sunday on the the amount of games he's missed at Juventus, and I, I can't remember. I can't remember how many games it was, but it's an absolutely ridiculous number. Uh, I think he played like 900 minutes last season uh, in total, and and this season hasn't been hasn't been much better. Um, and he, yeah, he's he's out injured again. He, he'll probably miss the the Inter game. Um, and yeah, as soon as Douglas Costa is injured, then yeah, Juventus can only play the four three one two. So um, yeah, it's a shame because he is he is a an electrifying talent um, the pace uh, and dribbling ability that he has to be able to stretch teams and, and, you know, he, you know, at his best. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's just a shame that he's a very, he's very brittle and he'll, he'll be, I would say 95% 
sure he will be sold this summer by Juventus um, because of his injuries. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, it's time to move on to another game, uh, another game involving the third Scudetto contender. You see Vittorio's face light up there as I say that. Um, Lazio, of course, uh, came away from Parma with a 1-0 win. Uh, Felipe Saicedo with the goal. Uh, Vittorio, talk us through this one. How did it go? Was you impressed by what you saw from uh, Simone Inzaghi's side? I think it was a very important match for Lazio because the weaknesses of this team is the bench. Lazio has a very good starting eleven. With that, they can beat Juventus, Inter, etc. But when Milinkovic Savic is missing, when other starters are missing, uh, there are question marks. And against Parma, Lazio was without Lulic, without Milinkovic Savic, without a lot of other players. And so it was a very important met- test for Lazio because Parma, yes, they have been missing players like Gervinho is out, etc. But was still an important test. Lazio didn't play amazing football, but still they created a lot of chances. This match could have finished easily 3-0 for Lazio. They missed a couple of bad chances, but they were able to win 1-0. So it was an important test. Now, Lazio, uh, I still don't think is at the same level of Juventus and Inter, to be honest with you. I still think that the goal for Lazio is reaching the Champions League. But obviously, if Lazio beats Inter next Sunday, then obviously you have to talk about the the Scudetto fight with Lazio in it. But uh, it was very important for Lazio for the Champions League position because Roma lost again, and now the gap between Lazio and the fifth team is 14 points, which is a lot considering we are half in February. So I think this is the goal for Lazio. And then, you know, what everything else comes, it's it's better. Fantastic. Uh, Carlo, let's get your take. Are are Lazio in the race? I I feel like Vittorio is being a bit cautious because he doesn't want us to come down on him if they fail. Um, I feel like he's he's optimistic, (laughs) but he's kind of hiding it a little bit. Uh, Carlo, uh, do you see Lazio as title contenders this season or will you be reserving judgment for a few more weeks as well? (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to wait and see what the table's looking like after that Juventus Inter game. Um, that that I mean, and 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 but Vito, like Vito says, if if Lazio beat Inter this Sunday, I think absolutely you have to call them a, a Scudetto contender. Um, there isn't that long of the season left. I mean, how many games have we we got left? Four, Fourteen games after this. After this, I mean, there's still plenty of matches, but you know, it's. It's, the thing is, is, is Juventus are struggling so much that that really, you know, Lazio, you, you can't rule Lazio out. Um, but I, I just think Inter, I, I think Inter have got, Inter have got it. Um, Inter are my favourites, as I said before. The only advantage Lazio I'm has... Looking at the calendar. I'm looking at the calendar now. Lazio will have to go away to Atalanta. They'll have to go away to Napoli. So they'll have to go away to Juventus. So I think Lazio have a have a quite a tough run in. Um, but at the same time, Inter still have to go away to Lazio. Inter have to go away to Juventus. They have to go away to Roma as well. Um, so Inter's is, really Ju- Juventus have got the easiest run in in terms of fixtures because they play all the tough teams um, at home. But um, you know, as we've seen with Juventus, they're, they're also dropping a lot of points against the smaller teams. So um, I think everything's everything to play for. Well, what I would say though is it's fantastic to have a three-way 
um, title race uh, in Italy. I mean, we haven't even had a two-horse race for for so many years, and a three-horse race. I mean, can you remember, Vito, the last time we had a three-horse race for the title? When was it? Mm, don't remember, because... 2002, the- maybe 2002, when Lazio beat, beat Inter on the final day? Maybe... Yeah. Maybe that was the last time there was a three-horse race. So it's great to it's great to see. Shall I shall I make you guys feel old? <laughs> go on. Two thousand and two. I was twelve years old. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you're older than me, Carlo. Vito was Vito was about forty then. I think. <laughs> I, I was already working in journalism. <laughs> yeah, you're the baby. You're the baby, you're Harry. Everything. <laughs> That's all right. I'll take it. I'm. So, I, I feel like I've aged a lot though in the last year or so, particularly <laughs> since uh, things started going downhill for the Arsenal. So, uh, talking about Lazio, the big advantage they have is they out of the Coppa Italia, they out of the Europe League. So you know, from now on, Inzaghi has every time a week to prepare the match, while Inter has to focus on the Coppa Italia this week, and then Lazio. Inzaghi is already preparing the the match of Sunday night against Inter. And then next week, Inter will be focusing on Europe League. Uh, Juventus will be focused on Champions League. Let's not forget that this season, the goal for Juventus is winning the Champions League. So they will lose energy there as well. And again, Lazio will have all the week to prepare for the match while Juventus and Inter will go and, and prepare the European competition. So this is a big advantage. On the other end, I still think that Lazio depths, it's a little bit... Not as good as Juventus and, and Inter. I think injuries, injuries. Sorry, yeah, Harry. I think injuries also injuries will also play their part um, because I mean I mentioned before about Juventus's the depth that Juventus supposedly have been a bit of a myth, um, but I mean look at Lazio. I mean one thing where Lazio have been a little bit lucky this season is they've gone throughout the whole season with their key players. Missing the odd game here and there, but generally no serious injuries. You know, Immobile's been fit pretty much all the season. Correa's had a few injuries, but apart yeah. from Correa, most of the most of your big main players have been fit for, for the for the season. But if let's say Immobile gets an injury, he's out for two months, or you know Lucas Leiva's out for two months. You know, all of a sudden that you know that 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 can end your title challenge. You're so reliant on a few players. But you could say the same about all the teams. You know, if Juventus get Ronaldo, I mean, Ronaldo never gets injured, but uh, probably jinx. Two months. You know, Juventus's title challenge might be over. Inter, they lose Lukaku or, and, or Lautaro. So it's, it's a, you know, you always need a little bit of luck uh, with injuries going into the, you know, the, the, the home straight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed it is. Luck is a uh, part of it, I suppose. Um, Let's move on to Roma, uh, Lazio's uh, cross-city rivals. Uh, they were beaten at home by Bologna. Vittorio, what on earth happened there? Uh, well, Roma dominated the derby. Dominated, should have won the derby against Lazio. And everybody was, you know, happy because, say, Roma is back, Roma is playing great football. After that, they lost against Sassuolo. They lost against Bologna. Uh, playing badly, I mean, both... Both match they deserve to lose. Uh, they lost six points in only two weeks against Lazio, from Lazio. Uh, they're playing badly again. Um, I'm not sure. I, I like the mindset of Fonseca, but probably Roma hasn't got those type of players to play so offensive. 
The defense is terrible, simply terrible. Mancini's making two, three mistakes at at a single match. So, uh, you know, Bologna could have won 3-1, 4-1 against Roma uh, last week. Uh, So, yeah, they're they're really struggling. They're not playing great football. Um, If Zeko doesn't score, nobody scores. It's true they lost Zaniolo, that was probably the best players. But Under didn't step up. Cliver is is terrible, I think we can say it. Uh, Without Yawara, they don't have a defender midfielder that helps the defense that is very slow. Kolarov is struggling. Uh, it's a team that really it's it's in a terrible situation. And if I was Fonseca, I would try to adapt and play a more defensive type of football because like this, it's making it too easy for the opponents to score. Absolutely. Carlo, would you... It, from a Roma perspective, would you say that you've seen enough from, from Fonseca to su- suggest that he will be there next season and that they will give him a, a more time to get it right? Because, you know, like Vittorio said, the gap between, you know, the teams fighting for the Champions League and the teams not is huge. But have you been impressed by what you've seen from Roma? And is Fonseca on the right track at least? Well, uh, up until the new year, I thought he was doing a fantastic job um, because when the season started, um, I mean, having lost De Rossi, Totti, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy going into the new season um, where, you know, the almost like complaints about the, the American ownership and whether they were taking the heart of Rome out of Roma. Um, and looking at the squad, I didn't, I, when I did my preseason prediction for the top four, my, my top four actually were were Juventus, Inter, um, Napoli, which I think everyone had in their top four, and, uh, and Atalanta. Those were the, the four teams I thought would qualify for the Champions League. I didn't think Roma would qualify because I didn't think their squad was strong enough. So Fonseca, I thought, did a fantastic job. I, th- I thought he overperformed. Um, Results-wise and performance-wise, in the in the first half of the season, and was bringing a kind of modern brand of football, very kind of like positive football pressing, um, not nice to watch. Um, you know, Chris Smalling was a revelation. Uh, Zaniola was playing fantastic. Diawara was playing fantastic. Everything was going great. Uh, the new the new year has been a disaster. I mean, they've lost four of their six Serie A games. They went out of the Coppa Italia as well. So they've lost five games already. Um, in all competitions in um, in 2020 already, which is which is a terrible record, um, and um, you know so so now you know things are going badly for Fonseca. But I think it's difficult to blame him too much because not only was was the squad already not the strongest, but now they've lost probably their two of their best performing players this season. Uh, Zaniolo is a, is, a, is just a is a disaster for Roma. I mean, he he's such a fantastic young player, and he was having such a great season. Um, and and like Vita said, Diawara as well is so important in the midfield in in terms of uh, um, you know just directing the play, being the regista there, and controlling the midfield and making the team tick. And they they just haven't been the same since those two players have have been injured. So um, I do worry for them. They've got a huge game this Sunday against them or this Saturday against Atalanta. Um, If they lose that game, they're six points off the the top four already. So you do, you do worry for them. They're a little bit in free fall at the moment. They, They need a positive result in that match. 
Absolutely. And let, let's touch on Atlanta as you brought them up. Um, of course, 2-1 winners uh, at Fiorentina. They just keep impressing, don't they, Vittorio? Everybody is almost waiting for Atalanta to fade away and it's just not happening. No, they play great football. They create really great football. Fiorentina started well that match and then was lucky to find a goal. I thought Golini made a mistake on uh, Chiesa, uh, on Chiesa's goal. But in the second half, it was no competition, you know. Atalanta from the beginning start pushing and Fiorentina wasn't able to defend well. Uh, and this is Atalanta, you know, even if, you know, this was the first goal of Zapata since he got back from the injury. Now, if they get back Zapata to the form he had before their injury, they can be <laughs> unbelievable team. So uh, they play great football. Obviously, they, they give you something when, when you're attacking because the defense is not great. But this is Gasperini type of football, right? They try to attack. They take the risk in defense. They play one against one. So they, they accept the risk. But, you know, when they have the ball on the feet, they, they, are, they can be really dangerous. And what Gasperini has done recently, uh, like against Fiorentina in the second half, he put Pap Papu Gomez, a central midfielder, as a regista. And with the quality of this player, Atalanta really start playing great football. It's a risk because obviously Papo Gomez doesn't know how to defend like a uh, uh, midfielder. But when they have the ball on the feet, when they're attacking, this is a great advantage for, for Atalanta that has one man more in the, in the midfield. So it, you never know what you're going to get from Atalanta. They play so great football. And then they're able to lose at home against Pal that is getting relegated. So... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see this match Saturday because Roma is playing an offensive type of football, Atalanta as well. I think it's going to be a goal festival. Moving on swiftly to the next game. Another team that I want to talk about, guys, um, is Torino, who lost uh, to Sampdoria at the weekend. Of course, uh, Sampdoria uh, looking to make some you know, headway between themselves in the relegation zone. But Torino have now lost four on the bounce, Carlo. Is it time for a change of management, perhaps? Well, well, there, I mean, obviously there has been, uh, Walter Mazzari has obviously got the shot. Um, so I think that was going to be inevitable, really. I mean, it, after the 7-0 defeat from Atalanta, I mean, there was a lot of complaints in Italy because the, the Italian way is that, you know, once you've got a game one, you, you should take your foot off the accelerator and just, you know, have mercy on your opponent, but Atalanta are trying to break every single scoring record going at the, at the moment. I think only Manchester City have scored more goals in Europe's big five leagues than, than Atalanta. So they just kept racking up the goals. And I think that just completely destroyed the, the, the Torino players. And, and they've never recovered since that, since that seven nil thrashing. And obviously Mazzari's got the chop um, and Longo, um, you know, he's he's not had a great start, um, you know, to, to to life there on the bench. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult one for, for Torino um, because I mean, if you count the, the the defeat to to Milan in the Coppa Italia, they've actually lost five games in a row, um, and I think during that time they must have conceded something like almost twenty goals, I think, <laughs> in those games. Um, so, so yeah, it's. Um, it's, they, I mean, they had hopes for Europa League at uh, the start of the season, but but now they've got to look over their shoulder towards the relegation zone. Exactly. And, and that was going to be my next question, Vittorio. 
is there a danger of them getting sucked into that relegation fight? Because there's only, as it stands, eight points between them and Genoa who are in 18th. I know eight points is quite a fair amount, but you know, when a team are in free fall, it can often be difficult to get out of it. And, you know, it won't be long. It can only be a couple of weeks maybe uh, before they find themselves dragged even closer to it. So do you fear for them at all? Yes, because uh, as Carlo was saying, Gazzetta dello Sport, but other media in Italy was saying that Torino would arrive above Lazio. They would have fight for the Europe League, uh, finish fifth, sixth, maybe fighting for the Champions League. And now they're playing very bad. And they have Tirigo, that is a good goalkeeper. They have Belotti. They have the Silvestri. They have a good bunch of players, but they're playing rubbish. Uh, uh, Mazzari, I think it's a old-style manager. I think he's past. He's not making the difference anymore. But, you know, when you lose confidence, it's tough to recover. And this is what's happened to, to Torino player. Now, uh, Sampdoria with Ranieri was able, because Ranieri has experience, he's a good manager. He's able, he's, he has the experience to recover from bad situation. Longo, for me, is not a great manager. He has no experience of this type of situation. I don't agree with the decision they made. Yeah, he's linked with Torino. Uh, he's a Torino fan and all these type of things. But this is a dangerous situation. And I, don't, and I think in this type of situation, you should go and hire an experienced manager. And Longo is not this type of, play, of manager. So the risk is huge for me. So it is, is Longo in there on a long term with a view to the long term? Or do you think he's just been put in there for, you know, to sort of try and steady the ship? Well, he's there till the end of the season, I believe. Um, you know, so if he does a good job, then obviously there's always a chance that he could be appointed permanently. Um, but he's not, you know, a sexy name, um, as, as you know, Vito was saying. I think part of the problem at Torino at the moment is the fans are very much against the owner at the moment. And that often spills over, and it did actually after the seven nil, and I think even before that game against Atalanta, um, the, you know the, the coach then gets in the firing line as well. So, so it's a difficult situation. There's a lot of a bit like Napoli, really. Um, that there's 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 a few problems behind the scenes there um, at Torino, and that never helps um, when you're in a situation like like Torino find themselves now. Yeah, I mean, because the appointment of of Longo, to me, just seems like a short-term thing. It's like they're trying to plug a hole. But surely a club of Torino's stature, of Torino's size, would be a little bit more ambitious when, when appointing a manager. It, it, was it just the case, maybe, in, in your opinion, Vittorio, of them just feeling like they had to get rid of Mazzari, therefore they had to make a change now, and it didn't really matter who it was because maybe they've been a little bit arrogant and think that they're not going to get dragged into the relegation fight, but also that hope of qualifying for Europe is lost as well. Yeah, I, th- I thought, and I don't know if Carlo agree with me, that they should have made this change two, three weeks ago. I mean, they, they started the season, the year, sorry, beating Roma away, and after that, it was a completely disaster. And you can see that Mazzari was struggling because... One positive thing of Mazzari is the defense. And Torino started allowing three, four goals often, nearly every match. So this tells you that Mazzari wasn't able anymore to do his job. So you had to switch there. Now it's a little bit too late. And then find someone with experience. 
find someone like, you know, Sampdoria went to Ranieri. It's a pers- perfect fit. Find someone like Ranieri available. Obviously, the problem is that uh, the owner didn't want to spend that much money, you know. I, I can understand Spalletti maybe is too much for, for Torino, but go and find an experienced manager to save you. Longo was, you know, the, the, the Torino fan that uh, always dreamed to have this chance, but it's a very dangerous choice from Torino. It's very dangerous. So there's a big risk. And again, uh, you have Itzo that was considered one of the best defenders. You have um, a lot of good players, but simply you're losing match in a terrible way. So when, you, when you're not prepared to fight for relegation, that's the, that's the, way, the, the time when you really struggle and you, you get relegated. Yeah, it can come up and uh, creep up behind you, can't it? And uh, surprise you. And often teams, uh, like you said, they're not equipped to deal with those kind of circumstances, with those kind of games. It almost becomes a bit of a dogfight down at the bottom of the division. And that could be said, you know, anywhere in world football. Um, Guys, we're going to leave it there. We're going to wrap it up. I'm just going to quickly touch on some of the games that are coming up next weekend because it is a huge weekend in Serie A. Week 24, uh, it gives us Atalanta against Roma. It gives us Juventus against Brescia, Lazio, Inter, as we've already mentioned. Torino, who we've just been discussing, they travel to Milan, uh, Sampdoria, take on Fiorentina, um, uh, amongst the other games as well. So uh, that is it for this week. Thank you so much uh, to my two panellists, Vittorio, as always, and to Carlo for joining us. And we hope to have you on again very soon, mate. Yeah, I hope so too. And you'll be able to see my face next time. (laughs) Brilliant stuff. We look forward to it. We look forward to it. Guys, don't forget to follow Vittorio and Carlo. Their uh, Twitter handles will be in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review. You know the drill by now. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Simply Serie A. So until then, ciao. (laughs) 